the groove with Scotty Dubler. November 27th, 2020, episode number 162. It's Black Friday, Carter. It is Black Friday. Yeah. All day long. What are you buying today? I don't know yet. I, I've been looking at some stuff for my daughter. I'm not going to give any away secrets for her, but uh, you know, maybe some just Christmas presents for some folks. Uh, that's about it. What about you? Uh, I actually emptied my bank account, so I don't buy anything. You're going to have to get your Jeep out of Hawk. Well, yeah. So I, uh, yeah. So I know I'm going to have to spend money on that. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, I'm going to have to. Uh, I didn't want to spend any money on Black Friday because there's so many good deals going on. I know that I would just empty my bank account on stuff I don't need. Okay. So I paid off some credit card bills. And uh, put some away for whatever the hell's going to happen to my Jeep, which I don't know. Yeah. We were supposed to record yesterday, actually, but that didn't happen because I had a day, got stuck on the side of the road. Hours. But, you know. It looked like a lot of fun. It, yeah. I mean, it could have been worse. Luckily, I have AAA okay. and got could some. Could have been in the snow. Yeah. Could have been sitting in an ice storm, you know, with no power. You I, know, had power. You know, I had power. I had power. I was able worse. to charge my phone and, like, stay connected. I had a signal, so, you know, it could always be worse. Huh. But right. yeah, it was a long day yesterday. I didn't get to record, and uh, now we're knocking it out here. Uh, so wait, you you had a bunch of turkey yesterday. You actually had two Thanksgiving meals yesterday. Yep, I went to Stoney's house, which Stoney's one of my best friends. He used to sponsor me when I raced, and he used to race flat track, and now he races some drag racing stuff. And his wife, Bonnie, made some homemade tacos, and uh, we did tacos for Thanksgiving and apple pie with ice cream, watched a little football, came here to re- or came home, Recorded the intro and the outro, and then went to my dad's house uh, in Yukon, Oklahoma, and hung out with the family. Back up. Tacos for Thanksgiving? Yeah. Why not, What dude? the hell are you talking about? I don't... Who? I'm not... Honestly, I don't, I don't care for the traditional Who Thanksgiving eats tacos? Christmas food. Turkey tacos? No, they were real beef. Tell me that when you went to eat your, at your dad, you had turkey at least, though. We had turkey. We had dressing. We had potatoes green beans and all that stuff that i don't eat so yeah so you went to your you went to your dad's that was good you had two uh thanksgiving meals one of tacos what the hell yep whatever all right anything else is that it that's that's all i did for thanksgiving just took it easy after that watched some football and uh that's about it but uh, earlier in the week we did talk to our guest and we'll get into that in just a second for you people watching on patreon here's a little hint oh boy yep and earlier in the week xr 750 movie drop dude Dude, did it ever it's been getting Woo. some serious response i shared it on all of our off the groove groups and like i'm a little jealous because it's getting some more engagement than some of our uh, podcast posts here lately so um a lot of a lot of positive feedback a lot of people stoked on this one and we knew that you know fans would love it it's a great documentary showing the 50 years of, of the xr 750 and uh I don't know. It, it's cool to see all that success and, and that Evan's already already having with the film, not even a week old. It's really cool. I loved every second of it, and I'm going to have to go back and watch it again and watch it again and watch it again, just like we did with his other movie, Fast and Left. Um, right. Yeah, man, been taking it easy, knocking out two podcast edits today. We we talked to uh, Steve Moorhead uh, oh, really? for Tank Slapping cool. this week, and it's a really cool. good episode. So um, getting that edited I'll to, today. I'll have and, to check that out. Yeah, getting that edited. Or we released that yesterday, actually, on uh, on Thanksgiving. And uh, and then this one on Friday, man. Then want to talk about our guest? Or is there anything not, else? Not in the, yet. Not okay, yet. What do you before, ask before we move on, they had last weekend, they had the first ever AMA All Adaptive Race. They sure and did. Tyler yeah. Brandenburg took the win. And racing Jason Griffin finished second. So we're not changing his nickname just yet. You're not going to give and it to him? He, the, got, he, he got no, second, not yet. dude. I don't I guess, care. I guess it's not a win. Loser. You're right. You're That's right. correct. In the pro class, Stevie Bonzi, after sitting out, haven't seen him for a long time. He said he hasn't raced flat track for about a year, took the win. Bugs Pearson was second. Andrew Luker was third. Jeffrey Carver was fourth. So, uh, you know, some fast company out there, and that's only the results I had. And that's results that Graham sent me. She watched the broadcast, and she was a little disappointed in the announcer, <laughs> and she was a little disappointed in the uh, I don't know, a few things, but, you know, it sounds like it was kind of like one of their first goes at it and stuff like that. And sometimes people don't realize just how important an announcer is. They, you know, uh, get off that not, not everybody right can now. be Scotty Dubler for sure. I didn't say they need oh, to be Scotty You Dubler. didn't. Just... I did. I said that. Okay. Right. I said that. And I mean every word of it. Not everybody can be Scotty Dubler. You do it in a way that makes it look so damn easy sometimes <laughs> that when people well, get out there, I dude. I appreciate it. I was thrown in that one for that one race, like into it, and I was just color, and I was like, 
it the whole time, yeah. and I was not comfortable. Yeah. It's not so, easy. Speak, speaking of that, at Volusia this year, oh Kristen Beat came up into the booth, and we and she hopped in as as to help me out during the. I think it was the practice night. Yeah, yeah. And she started sweating. She's like, <laughs> "I do not like doing this one bit, dude. It's horrible." However. However, I don't like doing her job either, being put right there in front of a camera and having to come up with everything precise and exactly while there's stuff going on behind you, while there's people walking in and trying to dude, distract you in front of you. just writing notes in a notebook in the middle of that chaos at the pits, dude, is right, insane. Right. Like, but she's she's flawless. When she, once that mic turns on, she's knocking it out yep. of the park every time, and she's got she's definitely got talent in, the, in that respect for sure. And, and, Absolutely. And, dude, the questions you ask are great. The the insight that she has uh, running around on the inside of that pits, it's pretty good. And she has, you know, racing roots, you know. Like, I, I would compare her to Heather DeBeau, who was with us for a few years back. <laughs> too many toys at your fingertips. I was waiting for my spot to get that in. All right. Um, so Monday night, mm-hmm. we called our guest. We did. It was early this week, but dude, it's. I mean, it doesn't matter. There's not a ton going on in the flat track world, and it, he obviously. I mean, in my opinion, probably the, one of the most important people to talk to right now with all the news going on around uh, Vance and Hines and Harley Davidson. So uh, we didn't get him first. That would be Thunderpress. Thunderpress dropped the news with their article. Did a hell of a job in that interview, um, and uh, and we've been trying to get him as well. And we actually secured him. Mr. Terry Vance is going to be our guest for this week. Check out the Thunderpress interview. Absolutely. You know, get on their social, find it because they asked some very good questions. We Carter and I did not want to duplicate those questions, so yeah. we wanted to get to know who Terry Vance was, why he got involved in flat track, and what the future holds for him. So uh, I cannot wait. For you folks to check this one out. Scotty Dubler. What's happening? Not much, man. How about you? I am great. Uh, there's been a lot of stuff in the news about uh, Vance and Hines and Harley Davidson, and I want to talk about that here in a little bit. I thought the article I read in Thunder Press did a fabulous job with their interview with you, but. Uh, uh, big news going on, but I want to back up and let's get to know Terry Vance a little bit, and then we'll talk about the news. How's that? Uh, okay, I don't want to bore anybody, but uh, we'll probably make that brief. But go ahead. <laughs> All right. I want. Well, where was Terry Vance born? I don't even know that. All right, I was born in Bristol, Virginia, and uh, my folks moved. My mom moved to uh, California when I was a couple of years old, and grew up in Southern California, and okay. uh, that's kind of where it all started. I got you. I didn't. I didn't know that. I just all I knew is you were from California, and, and that's and then you wanted to go fast. But uh, what's your first memory yeah. of a motorcycle, Terry? Well, you know, when I was just real little, uh, I was probably you know sixth, seventh, eighth grade, whatever. I had a paper route, and I saved up some money from delivering papers, and I went and bought a taco mini bike. A taco mini bike at the time was that. You guys remember that one that uh, had a little pedal that pressed on the rear wheel to stop it? You know, that was the brake. Uh-huh. But yep. uh, so I got that I got that frame home. Uh, it was one hundred and three dollars. I remember I counted out the money for the guy. I was so proud that I could do that. And then I was going to save up and buy a motor. And my dad got feeling bad for me, so he took the uh, motor off of our you know our edger, uh, the lawnmower thing at the house, and <laughs> stuck it in the minibike frame. And away I went. And we lived right next to some railroad tracks, so I used to run home from school and jump on my minibike, and I'd stay out till dark. I had so much fun. I can't even tell you. Wow. Did did you ever race motorcycles yourself? Uh, you mean as far as racing them when I was a kid or when I got older? Well, at any time. I don't I just don't remember ever hearing about, you know, your passion for the sport. Obviously, we know that, but did it, did you race yourself? I mean, I don't I don't well, I guess never, I never I've knew never, that. Yeah, I've never dirt tracked, Scotty. I I was uh um, you know, my I grew up in drag racing. That's where I met my partner Byron Hines while we were both kids just drag racing and uh you know that's a whole another story but uh you know just my background i guess i'm a i'm a 14 time national champion in the nhra and ambra and idba um i was the first guy to go over 200 miles an hour and a quarter mile on a motorcycle in 1982 i've been inducted to both the ama and the sturgis motorcycle hall of fames uh, and uh you know i've uh, run racing programs since I retired from actively being a contracted rider with Suzuki in 1988, I've run uh, and managed racing teams and, and throughout the United States, I ran Yamaha's program for 
10 years. We won the Daytona 200 twice, uh, won the AMA Superbike Championship and the Supersport Championship for Yamaha. And then I moved to Ducati and uh, ran that program for about nine years. And uh, <clears throat> Ben Bostrom and Anthony Gobert were my riders. We uh, actually won both legs of the World Superbike Round here in Laguna Seca, uh, California, uh, back in 93 or 4, whatever year it was, 98, something like that. Uh, um, so that was a huge, huge deal for us to beat the world teams. Um, we were really, really proud of that. And then uh, started running Harley-Davidson's program in uh, 1999, signed my contract, started developing the bike, and put the bike on the racetrack in 2001. We started winning in 2002, and since then we've won 10 championships. So um, I hope that that answers your question, Scotty. That, that was incredible. That's all the stuff that I wanted to know and wanted to hear about. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it in reverse for just a second because, you know, a lot of people know you guys started in drag racing. And with your friend Byron Hines, where, where and when did you meet Byron? Well, we were both just kids. Byron was just out of the Army. Uh, I was just out of high school, 1971, at Lions Drag Strip in Long Beach, California. And uh, we would go there on the weekends and race our street bikes. We both had 750 Honda street bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we'd hang out in the evenings and go riding around the freeways and race each other up and down the roads and just have a blast, stay out till the sun came up. And we were just <laughs> kids having a blast. And uh, Byron was really, really technically smart. He could fix and work on anything. And, uh, you know, I, I just, you know, really kind of looked up to him like a, almost like a big brother thing from the very beginning. And, uh, we just became really good buddies, and we started working at a company called RC Engineering that did performance products for motorcycles in the early 70s. Byron was an employee there, and then they hired me on, and uh, we worked there until 78, and then uh, we actually had a Suzuki contract to race for Suzuki from 76 to 78, and then in 79, we started Vance and Hines, and Suzuki stayed with us through 1988. Wow. When, when did you know that this is a guy that I want to go into business with? Well, it wasn't, Brian wasn't really a business guy. He was more of a technical mechanical guy. Only he was, I mean, you know, in my opinion, he's a genius. I mean, I think he's really one of the smartest people I've ever dealt with and been around my entire career. I've met engineers. I've met guys that work at some pretty high levels and Byron can do some things that, you know, people just can't, they can't do and no matter how much school they've got. Um, he came out of the Army as a helicopter mechanic, and uh, he was actually a weapons um, uh, mechanic. And uh, so, you know, he could he could work a mill and a lathe and build stuff. And we built a double-engine top gas bike in drag racing in 1974. Wow. And we, compete, we competed in 24 events and won 23 of them uh, before <laughs> we retired the bike. So, I mean, he was just really a special guy. And, and trust me, it wasn't my riding ability. It wasn't have anything to do with that. I was just a coconut on the seat. But he, he really made the difference because if you rode his bikes, you ended up in the winner's circle. That That's incredible. Uh, I, I just I love that story. Well, you know, it, having been a rider myself, uh, you know, racing all the years that I did, um, I had the win, highest winning percentage of any draggers that ever drag raced, even to this day. So, I mean, we had a pretty good thing going on, and we were selling product to Suzuki dealers and customers. Uh, when we started the business in, what, 1979, we had three employees, Byron, myself, and one other person. And when I sold the business in 2002, I think we had, you know, upwards of 700 employees. So it just uh, it kind of kept growing and multiplying and doing some good things, and we kept developing and selling and making good products and being involved with good programs and racing organizations and teams. And it just kind of worked out. And Byron and I today, uh, you know, after almost 50 years, we're like brothers more than partners. Wow. That's amazing. What, what were some of the challenges would you say when you started Vance and Hines in 1979, you said there was only three people. Um, what were some of the challenges you were faced with at the, at the start? Well, I, I wasn't that smart, Scotty, myself, uh, financially. And, you know, when you're in business, you got to know that kind of stuff. And, I knew about the business, the performance business, and I knew how to get dealers to buy product and stuff from my time at the business prior. But, you know, I I just, Byron and I both, we just jumped in with both feet to do our own thing. But where we really got lucky was is that we had a Suzuki contract that, you know, we made enough money to survive on to pay for our rent and home and families and stuff like that. And then we used whatever our business generated just to pour back into the business. So 
we didn't have to pay ourselves, and that made a huge difference. So Suzuki was a huge part of my success and the reason why we were able to really get up on the cam quickly. But I, I think the biggest challenge for me was just not being smart enough business-wise. You know, I mean, I've got two sons now in college. They're both in, you know, both business majors in college. And, you know, I see how smart they are. And I think, look back on the time when I started my business, I mean, I didn't have a clue, Scotty. And and I learned a lot on the fly, obviously, and got to learn Mm -hmm. getting it done. But I just, I was really fortunate. I really was lucky. So any of the young guys out there racing or working or whatever, if they're not getting an education, they need to reassess that because you need that when you start your own business. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. That's awesome. Um, you, you talked about a little bit when when you first got involved with Harley Davidson. Um, I want to know first first before we talk about the Harley deal. When when did you stop racing yourself? I retired in 1988. Uh, okay. I, like I said, I was a 14 time champion at that point. And for me, it was you know it wasn't really about winning another championship. I wanted to focus on our business. Uh, my daughter was starting high school, and I wanted to make sure I was home a little more. And uh, so I thought it'd be a good time for me to to uh, retire. So we had a kind of a retirement tour in 88, went around the country and, uh, you know, had our last round at, at, at each race. And it was really a lot of fun. It was sad because I, I really, you know, I really loved racing. I loved the competition and being at the cutting edge of stuff and being on the edge of riding and going fast 200 miles an hour on motorcycles is a lot of fun. But uh, at the same time, I was really excited about our business and the opportunities that it had for us going forward. Let's talk about Harley now. Um, you know, I, I know you guys have relationship not only with Flat Track but Pro Stock as well. So, when did when did that relationship start? What year was that? Uh, well, that's kind of an interesting story. Mike Kennedy, who's the president now of Vance and Hines, um, came on board about two years ago. Uh, he was let go at Harley about three years ago, and uh, the company that I sold Vance and Hines to has resold it a couple, three times and to other uh, private equity groups. And the stakeholders now is a company called Monomoy. And I was trying to convince them that Mike was the guy to hire for this position because we had gone through a few guys that weren't, you know, as good as they could be. And uh, they were dragging their feet and dragging their feet. Finally, finally I convinced him. And fortunately Mike came on and now he's just doing a fantastic job at, um, Vance and Hines, he's got the company in a great growth position. We've actually had our best year in the last decade, so we're really, really excited. So what's interesting about Mike is is that Mike was the very first guy that came to see me. He was uh, directed by his boss, Ron Hutchison, at, uh, who was a VP at, at uh, Harley-Davidson at the time, mm-hmm. to come and find us and, and get us involved in drag racing because we were known for winning, and they wanted to win. They were tired of being involved in programs that didn't win. And Mike came to see me in California and said, hey, would you consider this? And when I went out to talk to Byron about it after he had left, Byron said, no way. I don't want nothing to do with Harley. And I said, well, how come? He goes, uh, we're fine with the Suzuki thing. There's no reason to do it. And I said, Byron, our company's going in a different position, direction now. It's kind of in a different position than it's ever been. Uh, seven out of all ten riders on the road ride a Harley. we gotta, we got to enter this space, and we have to you know, get in a position to win here. So we have to do this. This isn't a situation where we get to elect to. We have to. And so finally I convinced him, and um, he got involved, and um, we actually put his son, Andrew, on the bike at, after the second year. We started winning, and, you know, obviously it's been a part of our kind of family for 20 years now. It's been a lot of fun, Scotty. We won a ton of races, 10 championships, 110 races. I mean, and wow. in front of some huge crowds and really done some great stuff. So uh, it's just been a great ride with Harley. But Mike is the guy that initiated that program. And interestingly enough, when I started the flat track program in uh, whatever year it was, 2015, uh, Mike was the guy that I went and saw at Harley to get the deal started and going. Awesome. I love that. I'm going to talk a little bit more about Mike here in, 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 before we wrap things up a little bit later on. But uh, let's talk about Harley and flat track, uh, specifically uh, the XG. Uh, there, there, you know, There's a lot of folks that just you know race flat track for a hobby, and but it's been a business for you and, and Vance and Hines from the beginning. Uh, you're a guy that wants to win, and there's there's no secret that the XG's had some struggles uh, since 2016. Uh, we don't have to get into all the details because I see you guys working and busting your asses every round, and I talk to you a lot of the races after the races. We talk about things. Um, what what were some of the struggles with the with the XG? Because it was it was built to replace the XR. Yes. Yeah. You know, and it's got. 
I think that first we need to address the naysayers and the guys that are, you know, bagging on it, all that stuff in the beginning. I mean, all, all I can ask anybody that watches this happen at the AFT level week after week, do you want more brands involved or just one brand? I mean, and the answer for me is you can't have just one brand. It's boring. Right. So the IROC Camaro series went away a long time ago because it's not really what people want to watch. They want to watch other brands involved and things like that. So whenever I hear anybody, you know, our, our industry, especially on the flat track side, has a real problem with eating their young. You know, I mean, it's like they don't really want anybody to get in and be successful. All they want to be is negative and say, oh, they're never going to do it or they can't do it or why are they even trying? But Really, in truth, those are the wrong guys. I mean, you want guys that look at it and go, man, I want Yamaha in there. I want Harley mm-hmm. in there. I want Honda in there. I want to see some racing between different brands. I mean, that's what I would think that you would want, and that's what if I were AFT, that's what I would want. So when I went to Harley-Davidson originally, when we first started, we were talking about the XR and, and you know what the plan was going forward. Should we build a, a, just a kick-ass XR and try to modernize it and race it for the next five or six years? Um, you know, on the AFT level at the platform. Well, Indian had just announced their bike. They, I think they had won, run one race at Santa Rosa, and I think Cobb rode the bike there. I think he actually did pretty well. I think he finished third or fifth or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for, for us, we had to make a decision. Do we use the XR and modernize it, or do we start with a, the G platform and go forward with that? Well, the G platform was something that Harley was just getting rolling with, and it was an opportunity to have a power plant that was there. We didn't have the option of saying, let's go spend $20 million on a new power plant and get something that works really well and plug it into a known chassis and go compete against the Indian guys. We really didn't because Harley wasn't ready for that at that moment. They hadn't anticipated uh, Indian doing that, and they hadn't been working on it because they didn't really care, to be honest with you, Scott. They'd been winning every flat track race for the last 10 years. I mean, it right. wasn't high on their level, uh, high on their scale to, to get accomplished. So... The G made the most sense. Now, you can look back at that and say, wow, you should have done something different or you should have done, you know, whatever. But if we'd have chose to build a different power plant, we'd just now be getting in the game. So that would have been five years with no Harleys on the racetrack, and I don't know that would have been the right move. So maybe somebody's out there has a a better idea about that. I don't know. But I do know that I thought that we could make the G competitive based on what was out there. And what was out there at at the time was Ricky's Kawasaki and the XR. And I think that the G is equal or better than both those bikes at this moment. I really do. And I think Raspoli and uh, the Lattice crew did a really nice job of demonstrating how good the platform is. I mean, you have to realize, Scotty, those guys won the entire championship last year with Mm -hmm. not a single engine failure from a motor that we gave to them all year. I mean, that's, that's pretty good, right? So that's a pretty good package. And the bike at some races was actually faster than our Super Twins. So, I mean, it's not like the platform can't do what it needs to do. Um, you know, there's just a lot of ways to look at it. But for me, always, I would look at it, I want more bikes on the racetrack than less as far as brands. And when that happens, I think everybody in flat track and AFT wins. I, I love that answer. That was that was awesome. And it's not like you guys are run at the back of the pack. Uh, you guys are still getting podiums well, on I, the I XG. But, it, but in fairness, Scott, we, we've taken way too long to get where we, we are. And I, I think really that's my fault. I'll take full responsibility for that. I would have liked to have gone to the front sooner. But I think you'll see the things that they do with the rules for the next coming years that mm-hmm. maybe should have been done the year we started. I mean, that could have made a huge difference. I think you're going to see a sea change of, of just people saying, hey, wait a minute, we got to have racing with like we do in production twins where there's three or four brands that can win every night. I mean, when you have that, you keep fans coming back, you get new fans, and you have growth. Flat tracking has proved it time and again over the 100-year history. You've got to have racing that's competitive in, uh, between different manufacturers. If you don't, it's not, it's not exciting. So the point that I was trying to make about the XG is, is that I think it could have done better sooner, but I wasn't smart enough. I tried I tried to get um, Ricky Howerton to join me year one, and unfortunately he had already signed with the Indian guys. Uh, and I think if I did, I think that our, our learning curve would have been much steeper. But unfortunately I couldn't put that together, so I had to wait two seasons until he was available, and then I put it together, or three seasons. So, And then I put it together. But it's just one of them things, and uh, it's just timing and uh, kind of the way things worked out. 
Well, it definitely wasn't for a lack of effort. You know, you guys, no. you guys bust your tail. I mean, I, I know you do. Yeah. And, and I know the, the riders that ride for you know that too. And you've had a, a list of very talented, very fast, very well-known riders ride for you. And they all know how much work you guys put into that XG. I think, I think when you look at riders over the past, I mean, we had Kenny Coolbeth, we had Sammy, we had Jake Johnson. We've had some Brandon Robinson. We've had some really good guys. And I mean, guys are even winning today. So it really wasn't the riders. It was the bike. The bike just wasn't right. And you have to remember something about the Gs, okay? We took a motor that was designed for a motorcycle that they build in India that's a commuter at low cost and tried to compete with it on the national level. And that's really hard to do. We had to design and engineer a new crankshaft. We had to design engineers new cylinder heads. We had to design and engineer a complete valve train. We had to design and engineer... A a complete throttle body, and then put all that stuff together and make it work against bikes that are, you know, running on the AFT level every day. So it was a really big challenge for us. I bit off a little more than we could chew, and uh, I thought that my guys responded really well. And I think that everybody that's worked on the program, like you said, is, is there's not a lack of effort. It was really just about a lack of, uh, I think, engineering expertise on our part. And I think if we could start today with the platform, I think we could have a really, really good, steep, uh, you know, uh, curve on, on getting to the winner's circle. But, you know, we, we finished on the box at Daytona, Scott, and you know mm-hmm. being around flat track racing more than anyone. Daytona is probably the most challenging track out there in the parking lot than any race we go to. Yep. Um, it's slick, it's flat as a billiard table, and you can't get any grip. So for us to be able to go there and finish on the box with Jared – was a huge moment for me personally. A lot of people might have missed that, but for me, I think that was huge. And the reason why is because that means that our bike is getting very close to being ready to win at a lot of different levels. I mean, we finished on the box at the Indy Mile, which is really, you know, a proud moment for us as well. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, that just tells you that the bike's coming around. And I think, Scott, seriously, if we hadn't gotten rained out for – uh, the second race, I think we could have been up on the front row. We could have got, not gotten on the box again. Our bike was plenty fast enough. So I think we made some great progress, great strides, unfortunately, just a little bit too late and a little bit too uh, you know, late to the party as far as uh, you know, the timing for Harley-Davidson and budgets and all that stuff that's going on. Yeah, I, I talked to you Friday night after that race when Vandekoy got on the podium, and I could tell that that you were super excited about that race. So I know, I know it meant a whole lot for you for Vandekoy to do that. Um, and, you know, talking back just a second ago, nobody knew how strong that FTR ending was going to be when it came out of the box. And, and if you would have told me that, that it'd be winning every race almost, I would have told you you were crazy. So what they have done is pretty incredible too. Well, first of all, I mean, the most important thing, you can't take anything away from those guys. They, they had a plan. They executed it to perfection, right? So mm-hmm. they left everybody else in the dust. And there's no question about that. And one of the bigger issues was the bike was so good. I I believe that it was even better than they believed it would be. But they took Ricky's Kawasaki and they took an XR and they went to Swiss Auto and said, hey, we need a motor that delivers power to the rear wheel in the middle of these two bikes because one spins it up a little bit and it's really good on the miles. And the other comes off the corners and gets through the middle better than anything on earth. So give us something in the middle, and those guys and those engineers did an outstanding job of delivering a really good package. And one of the bigger problems was, Scotty, is once you got it into Jared Mee's hands and, uh, you know, other guys uh, like, you know, um, uh, Brian Smith and Kenny uh, or uh, Ricky and Kenny and Ricky and Kenny both, once they got into those hands and then they started handing them off to other people, that's mm-hmm. when you really had some problems because when they can look at how everybody else is doing and then they can improve their own setup, that just makes the bike better and better and better. And every race it got better and better and it has since day one. So hats off to them. You got to hand it to them. And, and I, I really like the challenge of trying to catch them and trying to get to them. But unfortunately for us, man, it was a big mountain. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you guys have to be happy with what you know, Rispoli and Coast were doing down there in the production twins class, you know, winning and, and podiums at every round. Yeah, so we, we were thrilled to death. I mean, one of the better things was Gene Bertram had a XG at the, uh, what, at, uh, Stur- at uh, sorry, not Sturgeon, but uh, Springfield Mile, and uh, Hayden Gillum rode it for him, and Hayden actually led the race. So that was a bike that just rolled right out of the shop, right into Gene's trailer, 
and Gene prepared it for Hayden, and Hayden's a pretty big boy, and he was actually out front leading the race. And I mean, that's no no uh, that doesn't just happen, Scotty. That happens because right. we built a really good platform, and it gave all the riders, Coase and Rispoli, and any of the kids that are riding them, it gave them a good platform to race on. I think I think next year is going to be a great year in production, Twin Scott. I really do, just for the fact that that bike is going to get better and better and better as the races go by, and we'll do like the Indians did each each round. We get better and better, and I think you, you'll see a lot of guys riding Harleys that are going pretty good. Well, enough about the past. Let's talk about what happens next. Uh, the future. Um, you and Harley have you know went separate ways as far as the racing deal, but it's you're still going to be involved and you're still going to be making the XG. And are those going to be sold to Harley Davidson dealerships for them to find riders? Or are those for sale for people to to purchase? Or how how is that going to work out from here moving forward? Well, the same as it has this year. I mean, if, if there's a dealership that has a rider. Um, then we help, you know, work with them. If there's a rider that needs a dealership, then we work with the rider and try to find him a dealership. So, you know, we, we, we are the sole and exclusive manufacturer and supplier of the XG platform for Harley in 2021. So if uh, there's going to be one on the track, whether it be Super Twin or Production Twins, it'll come out of the, uh, you know, the RDC in Indianapolis. That's our racing development center. So, um, you know, that's, that's our plan, and that's what we focused our attention on. And we're really excited by it, Scotty. We sold, you know, I think 15 bikes, and we have just about that many more in order. And uh, it's looking like it's going to be really a good thing for us to stay involved in and, and stay uh, connected to the motor company and the Harley-Davidson riders. And that's the biggest thing I want people to understand is, you know, we saw all this news, and, and you were quick to respond. But I think, you know, a lot of people still think, and that couldn't be farther from the truth. I mean, you guys are still heavily involved, just not with the factory Harley-Davidson race program, correct? Correct. Uh, you know, the thing that you have to understand and what's kind of interesting is that a lot of people um, call and ask our guys on the sales desk, is Vance and I going to be all right? Is, uh, you know, are, are, is Terry and everybody going to be all right? It's, it's pretty funny. We, we've had racing programs our entire career since I was a you know 17-year-old kid. So we, like I said, we were with Suzuki 10 years, the Yamaha 10 years, the Gotti nine years, Harley 20 years. I mean, this is the way these kind of programs work. And yes, Vance Hines is going to be just fine. Uh, our hundreds of employees will be just fine. I mean, we just have to now decide what it is that we want to go forward doing. And we'll make those decisions in time because we didn't anticipate this happening at Harley. And unfortunately it did. And like I said in the interview in Thunder Press, it's like, you know, Harley Davidson has a big fish to fry, Scott. They got a huge mm -hmm. company, a very compelling brand. Uh, they have to decide where they're headed. So in order to do that, they got to refocus, get their financials in order, and then decide what it is they're going to do. That doesn't mean that someday they're not going to come back and be involved in racing in a bigger way than ever. But today, we don't know what that is. And for Vance and Heinz, you know, we just have to go on and do what we can to support our customers and put people in the winner's circle on their motorcycle. And that's what we're going to try to do going forward. If, if they were to come to you in 2022 and say, hey, we've got this new engine, we've got this new bike, would you would you go would you get involved with them again? With Harley? Yeah. Of course. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've been the best partner I've ever had. I mean, Perfect. This, this is business, Scott. And what people what people don't understand is business, you have to do the right things. I mean, Yawkins come in and he's got a completely restack the deck i mean there's just no way around it so you know i don't trust me there's nothing that's happened at harley davidson that angers me or makes me mad in any way i love those guys they've been more than awesome. supportive of me and more than fair with me from my whole uh, involvement with them for 20 something years so i wish them nothing but the best for vance and heinz we have to do what's best for the company and we're going to do that moving forward but you know who knows what happens down the road i mean in at suzuki and 1981, I had just won the top fuel and pro stock championships in both classes, in both organizations, um, and I just was the happiest guy in the world. I went in to talk about my 1982 contract, and they informed me that they were pulling out of racing completely. Wow. I was sad. I came back. I told Byron, I go, man, this is a bad day, Byron. I said, we we were making really you know good money, and we were getting really good support, and everything changed from that day forward. But guess what? In 1984, they came back and re-signed us, and we stayed with them through 1988. So, um, you know, you never know what happens, Scotty. We'll just have to wait and see. 
Okay, I love it. Um, you you put a, a few different riders on your, I would say, the house bike, the single, the AFT singles bike. I think Rispoli rode it. Brandon Kitchen rode right, it. Maybe, stop, maybe. Stop, stop, stop the press. Stop the press. Stop the press. <laughs> Let's start over, okay? So here's, here's one thing that's really important, all right? Scotty, I love yep. you, and you always give everybody a great name, but I cannot believe that you have not called Brandon Kitchen the BK Broiler. You have to oh. call him the BK Broiler. Oh, I love it. I was, was going to call him the Whopper. Be. I like no, it. no, not the Whopper, the Broiler. He cooks them. He just cooks them. I mean, broiler. That, that, race, that race was probably one of the best finishes ever. Whatever <laughs> the one where he came from the last lap and passed everybody at the finish line, that was awesome. So I would call BK, I would call him the Broiler. That's what I would call him from now on. Done deal. That's a done deal. Okay, right. so let's let's back up. Let's start over. So you've had the house bike, the, the 450, the AFT singles bike, and Rispoli's rode it, and the BK Broiler rode That's it. That's right. And are you guys thinking about moving forward with, with efforts on a singles program for 2021? Have you even thought about that? No, I, I don't see us doing a singles program or a production twins program. We, we'll be involved with, you know, guys and bikes and stuff like that, but there won't be a truck out there that we're actually – you know, focused on a team. We want to, we want to have those two classes be guys that are racing with our stuff, not, you know, racing against us. Um, you know, obviously we're going to be working with us, some select teams uh, a little more than others, but, but bottom line is there won't be a Vance and Heinz team out there for next year. There will be guys that are running our equipment and uh, that's what we'll do going forward. But there's so much talent out there, Scotty, when you think about it, I mean, if we just keep making motors the way we've been doing it with the KTMs and Yamahas and Hondas for the singles class, we're really happy with what's happening there. You see how many exhausts we're selling, how many guys are using our, our equipment and how good our bikes are running. We're, we're thrilled to death there. And then what James did in the production twins class, I see that tripling up next year. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people out there using our stuff. So I'm just excited to be, you know, the person that's involved in helping those guys have good equipment to go racing with. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of this sport. And I was, even when I was a drag race guy, I really always watched flat track racing because it was just so exciting. Will you still go to the AFT races in 2021 or are you going to try to stay uh, yeah, home a little I'd bit more? Probably, personally, no, I'll personally be there probably. And we'll have a support vehicle there to support the programs and the teams. Um, we'll be involved with the sport at some level. Um, you know, I don't see us with a factory team on the, on the, on the grid next year. I, I see us being involved and, I think we're going to continue to try to work with the uh, XG Super Twin bike and try to make it better and better. And then if we feel like, hey, it's ready to go, uh, then we'll figure out what we're going to do from that point forward. For, for right now, I think our, our goal is to make sure that the bike is competitive uh, before we put it back on the racetrack. Okay. And I've got uh, another in the, question. And the Super Twins. And the Super okay. I got another question for you. Is there a difference? And if so, you don't have to get you know to all the differences. But is there a difference between the the Super Twin XG and the Production Twins XG? Yeah, of course. There's uh, completely different cylinder heads um, and completely different you know valve trains. So those two things make a huge different different throttle body as well. So those things make a uh, you know big difference in the way you set the bike up, tune the bike, and try to get the power delivery. Okay, that's that's one thing that a question I get asked often, and I never want to tell them, you know, anything that is incorrect. So I wanted to ask you, you know, straight straight to you. Um, well, let's, let's, Scotty, let's let's stop for a minute. Stop for a minute. Let's let's address something that a lot of people talk about and not a lot of people understand. Okay. Okay. Yep. We go we go to, we go to race after race after race, and we see some bikes in the production twins class going faster than the super twins, and so then we think, well, why don't they just race super twins, right? Well, it's not like that because here's what happens. In order to race in the Super Twins class, you have to have a bike that works good on a TT course, a mile course, and also a half-mile course. Well, when you get someplace that's slick and doesn't have a lot of grip, obviously a bike with less power is easier to tune to get better lap times. I mean, I think if you remember, we went somewhere. Where were we? I think uh, I think Atlanta. Um uh, I think Ctex was the fastest bike of all bikes, whether it was production twins or super twins. So why doesn't Ctex just race in super twins? Well, because right. when you get to a mile track, you can't keep up. Or when you get someplace that really has some grip, he can't keep up because he doesn't have the right power delivery and the right overall power. So, you know, don't be fooled just because you see a quick lap time at a short track or someplace with no grip that, oh, that bike can run in super twins. That's not how it is. Super twins is hard. Those guys that are running week in and week out, they have to figure out how to get grip 
and how to make get traction and actually accelerate the motorcycle at all those different places with the power they have. And then they have to figure out what to do. You, you, Jared Meese has different motors for different tracks. I mean, Kenny's a master at that stuff. He knows how much power he needs when there's grip and when there isn't. And mm-hmm. the difference on some of the production twins bikes is we can't expert like expert. But, wait, uh, wait, Grove. Williams Grove, yeah, we go to Williams Grove, and, you know, that track is really kind of greasy, so, you know, it takes a kind of power to make that right. Well, the production twins always work better there. Well, of course they do. they got less power. So people say, well, why don't you just make less power with your bike? It's not that simple, Scott. If it was, gotcha. everybody in Super Twins would do it, and CTEX wouldn't have the fastest lap time at the race, if you get what I'm saying. I sure do, and that you explain that so well, because I get that question a lot. You know, why don't they just move that bike into the super twins class well right. it might work good yeah, at one particular track yeah. yeah 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 and if people see rispoli they see rispoli going around the world he's better than the factory guys well you know at this moment he's actually better because joe has the bike set up really good for this track but if you try to right race that platform on the national championship circuit you, you could be good at one or two races but i don't think you're going to run up front at all of them I love it. I love that answer, and I've been dying to hear that answer from you, especially. Um, let's let's go back to Mike Kennedy for just a second. I know we, you you mentioned it quite a bit, but what's going to be his role moving forward? Is he is he completely out of the racing deal, or is he still helping you know build these bikes for for the ones that you're going to be selling? Well, okay. So here's how it works. Mike is the president of all of the employees in California and all of the employees at the RDC, which is the you know racing development center. So he's the one that has to put that all together. I take care of the racing stuff, and uh, I take care of the guys at the um, RDC for racing. So he takes care of them for product planning and product development and things like that. So we kind of work hand-in-hand, and that's not going to change. His role is not going to change. So he he understands how important racing is to our brand, Vance and Hines, and he knows how important it is that we're involved in racing as we move forward. I love it, Terry. Um, did did we answer some of the questions that people have been kind of wondering about, or do you have anything else we want to throw out there for them? No, Scotty. I mean, I, I just you know you you called me because you wanted an interview, but I, I really I I don't have anything that we have to tell anyone other than that you know just look at Vance Nines and the forty plus years of history and what we do and who we are, and they'll, they'll understand what the future is for us. The future for us is great products and and racing. That's what we do. Love it. Love it. So we, uh, before we let you go, we got a couple more things. Graham's question. Graham is my grandma. I don't know how much you listen to our podcast, but she goes to probably more races and she's been to more races than I'll ever go to. But she says, everyone knows Terry Vance. She wants to know, how do you take yourself away from the sport? Like, do you go fishing or the, any other sports that you are into that are less grueling and demanding? Man, nobody's interested in that question. I mean, you know, it's a, <laughs> the, the problem is, is that, you know, for me personally, racing, I really love racing, Scott. I have since I was a kid. I mean, I have some other things that I do. I play basketball, and, you know, I've got a family, and I live in the greatest city in the whole world in Huntington Beach, California. So I'm right next to the water and surfing, you know, just a lot of stuff that you can do out here. So, um, you know, my deal is, like, I wake up every day excited about what's going on, what I'm involved with. I get to work with the guys at the RDC at the design at the development center. And, you know, so we've always got something working. We've got a new Suzuki uh, pro stock platform that we're introducing at Gainesville next year uh, for the NHRA. That's uh, looking really promising on the dyno right now. And it'll be uh, a completely new platform for 2021. So we're real excited about rolling that out. Uh, You know, we're in develop, we're developing product all the time. We just got done with the uh, bagger, uh, king of the baggers race up at Laguna Seca. We did mm-hmm. really well up there, had the fastest Harley Davidson. So, you know, it's just a lot of fun for me, a lot of involvement in the things that I really love doing. And, you know, it, it's a it's a really good gig, yeah, Scotty. It really is. <laughs> and thanks <laughs> for the question. Like... I appreciate her, uh, her asking about me. Graham loves everybody in our sport, and she, she's been wanting to ask you that one for a while. So we wrap things up with rapid-fire questions. Uh, you tell me the first thing that comes to mind when I ask you the question, what is your favorite bike you've ever ridden? Oh, I have to say CB750 Honda. It was the first four-cylinder inline bike I ever rode when I was a kid. Took it right to the drag strip and when I bought one. So uh, that, that's awesome. definitely my first love, no doubt. Okay. What's your favorite track? You've been to so many tracks, I can't imagine this would be an oh, easy yeah. question well, to answer. Springfield, but... Springfield, Springfield's my favorite track of anywhere. Okay. I mean, right. you know, Scotty, the, the, year, the year that uh, 19, when we were there, when Sammy was pretty close, 
uh, I thought that was some of the best racing that, you know, for us, that we, mm. for the Harley guys, that we've had in, in a while. It was really, really exciting. I just wish he hadn't got pinched there on that last lap. It would have been exciting to see what he could have done uh, down the back uh, front straightaway. I love it. Without, uh, I, this one's tough. I, I, I have a tough time with this one, but I love asking this question. Who's your favorite flat tracker of all time? Gosh, that's a good question. There's been, you know, because there's been so many, they're so funny, you know, dealing with Vanacore, you know, you you want to slap him sometimes, but you got to love him too. You know, I, I love working with Jared. I think he's a good kid, uh, but they call him Captain Chaos for a reason, right? So, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, like I said, we worked with Kenny Coolbeth and Drake, Jake Johnson. We've had Joe Cobb. We've had, uh, you know, Brandon Robinson. We've had some Sammy Halbert. We've had some great guys, but... Honestly, I have to say Brian Smith's my favorite. I, I have to say that. I, I love the way Brian looks at his work and goes after it. And, and although we didn't have a ton of success with the G this year with Brian and Vance and Hines, I really enjoyed working with him. He's super smart. He totally gets what's going on. And uh, he's a pleasure to work with because he's not just thinking about himself every moment, which mm. is a real drawback with racers. And I include myself in that racers thing so um you know that that's that was a real pleasure to work with brian i really enjoyed it great answer i love that uh who's your favorite person to go bench racing with gosh i'd have to be byron Hines. i mean byron and i could sit and talk about racing for days and weeks and hours i mean he's my favorite guy on the whole planet when i go back to the rdc sometimes uh you know I uh, stay at his house or whatever and we'll just go downstairs and just talk about racing for hours that's we just enjoy it. And, and a lot of times when I'm there for the drag races or whatever, we just sit in the rent car with the air on and talk for hours and hours, wait for the next round to come around. So he's my bench race, race buddy, has been my whole life. Okay. This one's uh, in the Super Twins class. Who is the next first-time champion? Wow, that's a tough question. The next first-time champion. I don't know, man. I, I, how, how do you how do you how do you bet against B Rob? He looks so good late, and he looked good on that slick track. And those guys at the Roof Systems did a fantastic job setting his bike up. I don't know how you bet against him. I would like to see it him. I love Brandon. He's a great kid, and I really enjoyed working with him. So sorry to see him go, but he he needed to. He wanted to get on something that put him up at the front, and he realized you know that was important for him at the time. So. I, I just I love Brandon and I hope I wish him all the success in the world. I'd love to see him be your next time champion. I, I really would, but uh, I, I think he's actually got a shot at making that happen. I do too. I do too. He looks so good at the end of the season. After, yeah. You know, after two different injuries, one on his left foot and one on his right foot, so he finished it off yeah. strong. Great kid, Scotty. I love the guy. I really do. Yeah, yeah, me too. Last question. We kind of borrow this one from Dave Despain, but what are you most proud of? I mean, racing wise company-wise, family-wise, I don't know. That's a hard one, to be honest with you. I, I've had I've had some ter tremendous success, Scott. It'd be hard to boil it down to one thing, but, you know, my uh, my partnership with Byron would probably be, you know, as far as fans and uh, racing people are concerned, my, my partnership with Byron is one I'm really proud of. I mean, when you can when you can be with somebody for 45, 47 years, whatever it's been that we've been together and still be like best friends, that's, that really says something. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, we, we appreciate your time. Before we let you go, do you want to say thanks to anybody? Yeah, I want, I want to say thanks to you, Scotty. Seriously, you've done an outstanding job being the voice of our sport uh, for AFT and for flat track racing. I, I don't think people understand how important that is, that we have somebody that truly understands the sport from the top to the bottom. And you do that. You're passionate about it. You're always trying to name guys. And I, I think you, you have, you love the sport just like I do. So it, it's a pleasure to listen to you talk about it and be involved in it. And I think BK Broiler is a good name and I hope you buy into it. I, I will. I definitely will. Hey, um, I just want to say thank you too. Cause no matter what, if we cross paths, we always stop. We always talk to each other. And that means the world to me. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Scotty. We'll cross paths. We'll be around at AFT. I love what Michael's doing there. I, lo I love what he's trying to accomplish. Uh, that crowd at Dallas in a COVID year is a pretty good indication yeah. that we're going yeah. in the right direction. I mean, there wasn't any place to sit down. And, I mean, you know, that was yep. amazing. And, uh, you know, it's it's the sport has a huge, hugely bright future. I mean, the guys get bringing progressive in this year. People don't understand the business of racing, but you have to pay attention to the business. The business is what it's really driving. I mean, you look at what Indians done. I mean, it's like they've done some fantastic stuff. 
They've won every race for the last three or four years. But on the business side, are they winning? That's what's key here. So people need to pay attention to that stuff. And AFT is winning. And, and, I, and I think, you know, you look at this and you look at what's going on. You've got to say to yourself, okay, what can help our sport win? That's the things we need to support and get behind and not criticize and bag on, but actually say, hey, this is good. This is good for our sport because the more teams, the more riders, the more manufacturers that are on our grid, the more money the guys can make, the more fans will have opportunity to see competitive racing and the more fun they'll have and the more they'll come to the gates. So that's what we need going forward and Michael gets that. So I'm really, really happy about the future for AFT, uh, the prospects for it. Terry Vance, thank you so much for your time, man. We really appreciate it here on Off the Groove. All right, no problem, guys. Talk to you later. Terry Vance, ladies and gentlemen. That was awesome. I, I love Terry, and like I said near the end, he it doesn't matter what he's doing. He'll stop and take time to come talk to me. He's genuine. He doesn't beat around the bush. You know, uh, they know they were struggling, and they had to, you know, get beyond that and I, I love Terry I think he's a great guy and I have much respect for the guy great interview um, awesome to hear Dude, I didn't know anything about his racing history and I feel a little dumb for not like that's crazy well, was he 14 time he said champion or what yeah and and that's why you know when I I, I asked him did you race yeah. I, I was actually I should have asked did you race flat track but I loved it that he listed all of his accomplishments in racing we probably would have struggled doing that dude you know we would have had to look at that stuff for a while to figure all that stuff out so i thought by asking him that question it was perfect that photo that he emailed us dude afterwards oh that's awesome unbelievable unbelievable um yeah that that was insane dude uh and my favorite part of the interview i have to say is the nickname he threw out there for brandon kitchen i think it's gonna (laughs) stick dude i think it's gonna stick I'm going to do my best to make it stick, but they, right. uh, the BK broiler, yes. I like it. It's going like to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait to see I the actually, response in the, that everybody I here. wrote it down. I wrote it down during the interview. <laughs> so you don't forget and it. I put, I put broiler, and I put two underlines beside it, and I put an arrow pointing to kitchen. I so, uh, love it. Yeah, I he love it, He cooks them, is what he said. He cooks them. Yep. What else you got going on, dude? That's it. Nothing much going on this weekend. Just going to take it easy and uh, get ready for next week. That's about it. I don't know. What you got going on next week? Not, I'm not sure yet. Oh, okay. I'm trying to figure out who, who our guest is, and I'll try to do some notes. I don't know. I, I got a couple ideas for next week. We'll see what we got What we got going on. What, what You got right something? On. One, more th- one more thing before we go. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, hit up Lone Star Beef Jerky. Use the code OTG15. Get yes. 15% off your order. They've yes. got some turkey jerky while it lasts. You got to get it while you can. Uh, we appreciate Lone Star for giving us our very own code. And uh, I'm having some turkey jerky later on. I know I will. Yep. Uh, cannot wait to check out the turkey jerky. Uh, but at this point, I got to step out. Got to go, got to go. Thanks this to all the listeners. Smash that like button. Tell all your friends about the podcast. We appreciate it. And uh, hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. And uh, we'll talk to you next Friday. Peace. everything i don't know i think so happy thanksgiving bye bye later that's gonna be at the end good uh that's funny